0: listening to the Elephant in the Room podcast with your host Sutta Singh. Each week we will bring you a diverse range of inspiring speakers on issues of inequality and inequity. You will hear stories about fairness, justice, belonging and about best practice for creating a more inclusive workplace. So if you are an individual or leader interested in a fairer, Equitable, compassionate society and workplace, this podcast is for you.
1: My guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast this week is Rosie Wainwright, People and Change Specialist at PA Consulting, Coach and Ambassador for Social Justice. Good afternoon, Rosie. Wonderful to have you as a guest on the Elephant in the Room podcast today.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Brilliant. So let's get started. Could you give us a quick introduction to who you are and what you do?
2: Sure. So I'm Rosie Wainwright. I live in South East London and I work at a company called PA Consulting as a people and change specialist. Um, I'm also a mentor and a qualified coach and I sit on a fostering and adoption panel for a company called TAC. And uh, yeah, I guess I'm passionate about social mobility and having a positive impact where I can. Awesome.
1: So to get started, what are you what are the experiences, Rosie, that you would say have shaped your identity or who you are, the person who you are today?
2: Sure. So I would say that every experience in my life has shaped who I am today. But I'll keep it simple. And I'll talk about my top three that kind of stick out in my memory. So the first would have to be, I think, like most people, my childhood. So I grew up predominantly with my mum as a single parent, and was helped to be raised by my grandparents. When they passed away, things took quite a turn. My mum She had me very young and she got mixed up with the wrong people and got into the wrong things. So unfortunately, I became the target for most of her anger. I then went into foster care. I was about 14 or 15 years old. And the woman that I was placed with, her name's Judy. She is the most extraordinary woman that I have ever met. She showed me what, normal if there is normal but what normal was and being able to see that a complete stranger was willing to take me in look after me and trust me in her home was huge right it it was really difficult i suffered with a lot of mental health problems i had trust issues as you could probably imagine and the relationships that i got involved in weren't always the best for me but being with her showed me that there are good people in the world and ultimately it gave me a new outlook in life even though i couldn't really see it at the time but now i do i guess the second experience that sticks out in my mind is when i was at college so this was my third college by the way i had failed the other two but my teacher recommended that i get involved in a charity called career ready it was called career academy at the time it was many years ago, and I didn't want to do it at first. I was quite stubborn. I didn't really understand what it was about, but I knew then I didn't want to go to university because it wasn't for people like me, but I also had no idea what I wanted to do in the future, so it couldn't do no harm, right? On the programme, I was given a mentor called Laura, and I got the opportunity to go on various workplace visits And I remember going to Canary Wharf for the first time. And even though I live really close, entering these like huge, shiny buildings and I don't know, it was just like being a part of a whole different world. And this experience really was the turning point in my life. Towards the end of the programme, I had an internship at Morgan Stanley and actually working in that environment showed me that I could be part of this world if I really put my mind to it and just yeah it really changed my life we also during that time we had this guy come in he used to be a student and he talk, he spoke about his own experiences at university and this guy he was kind of like me he was from where I'm from and he'd studied the same subject it was a BTEC in business and that kind of it just affirmed to me like okay maybe I can go to university if I really want to so I went back I retook my maths GCSE I think it was for the fourth time and I applied to study law at City University and got accepted so yeah those are the main two and if I think about a third time in my life that's kind of shaped my identity I always think about my early career so after graduating law school I went to work as a compliance analyst in New York and it became this dream of mine to work in the US, to work at a high-flying company strut around Manhattan with some heels and a cool laptop bag that didn't actually have anything in it. But, you know, it just makes you look really important. And I really thought to myself, that is the end goal. That's exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted to make loads of money and seem really important, but actually it wasn't it. About three months in, I realized it wasn't for me. This is not who I am. And this life wasn't going to make me happy. It was soul destroying, because everything I believed that makes someone successful up until that point, it it just kind of everything felt like it was just crumbling, believe me. So what I'd done is I left New York, I came back to London, I had no job, no idea what i was going to do in the future ultimately hit a state of depression and i felt like i had to start all over again at the time i was even i was dating this guy who was cheating on me so just everything that could go wrong did and it wasn't an easy decision to make to leave i felt like i was letting a lot of people down myself down but actually it was the best decision and i don't regret leaving i Came back to London, I was reflecting on what is it that I enjoy doing? What makes me happy? And ultimately, it was all the volunteering work that I was doing with young people, helping others, having an impact. So I started to work in higher education within the widening participation team. I worked my way up. And then I actually moved on to career ready to work there. And now I've come kind of full circle now working at PA, which is an amazing firm because it allows me to kind of continue to do all of the great impactful work with our clients, but also to mentor, do outreach work. And, you know, we can make a difference in society through the projects or doing like the extracurricular stuff that I do.
1: Yeah. Thank thank you, Rosie. That was like, I mean, thank you for sharing and being vulnerable. I, I would apologize if it has triggered because it's difficult for me also to listen on the side while you're speaking. So I can't, I can't imagine how difficult it must have been to say, but thank you for sharing. Because I think it's important for people to see that people go through difficult circumstances and then some of them by the sheer dint of their, their I think it's a mental resilience that they get out of it. They find their way because they want to find their way and they want to give back. From a few of your posts and articles, I understand that learning is very important to you. What has been the impact of an organisation like Career Ready? Because you said you didn't believe that university was for you.
2: Yeah, so for me personally, I saw education as being a way out, a way to break the cycle. I knew that I had to do something to get out of the situation that I was in. So learning, reading, gaining new skills, working multiple jobs was my way out. And it got me into university, mixing with people. And I wouldn't usually come across the people that I mix with at uni so it really did make a difference and opportunities just started to appear but as you've alluded to like I didn't always think like that Career Ready really planted that seed having a mentor Laura she gave me my first ever book which just unlocked this love to read books inside of me and being dyslexic I didn't actually think that would ever be possible but it is going on the workplace visits I remember thinking I want to work in a place that has multiple food options for lunch and has a hairdresser on site but yeah it wasn't until I had my internship with career ready that I could actually see myself working at a place like that. And looking back, the program, it really is the full package. You have the guidance of the mentor, the exposure to different opportunities, the masterclasses that prepare you for actually working. And then it's just topped off with the real life experience of working in a job. So I am I am biased, but it is one of my favorite charities. It really did make a difference.
1: That's amazing to hear. So moving on from career ready, do you believe that there is an effective ecosystem in place in the UK to identify and support the needs of young people from socially and economically disadvantaged backgrounds? How difficult or easy was it for you to like get to career ready? I think some of the people don't just don't have access.
2: Sure. So, yeah, I mean, whilst there are programmes and initiatives that are in place to support young people from disadvantaged backgrounds, there's definitely more work that can be done to ensure that these people get access to the support that they need. And this is why charities exist, right, is to kind of fill that gap. I think one of the main challenges is actually identifying and reaching out to young people as firstly the young person may not even know that they're at a disadvantage as the life that they live that's just their life right it's just the norm for them or they may be embarrassed to speak up I know I was and also some of the indicators or tick boxes as you like like free school meals or the postcode that you live in they're not it doesn't capture everyone that needs the support so I think In my situation, if I hadn't gone into foster care, I would have still been at a disadvantage. We were still poor and there was a lot of physical and emotional abuse involved. But then if you take free school meals, for example, I was eligible, but we never claimed it because my mum would have felt embarrassed and I would have just fallen through the gaps like some young people do. And I I suppose like there are a lot of issues as well like once we identify and support these young people to get into work and education there is this big question mark like what's being done to support them once they've crossed over that line are these young people that come from disadvantaged backgrounds succeeding in their career at the same rate as someone who come from a middle class background probably not.
1: Yeah, and that very neatly segues into my next question. What do young people need to get a career trajectory and then continue to have a fulfilling career for the next three to five to seven years? Because often a lot of the young cohort that go in at the lower levels and after a point in time, they may not fit. They may not find that they fit in with how the organization Runs itself or the culture or finding themselves excluded from opportunities or projects, etc.
2: Sure. So I guess the first thing would be education. And when I say education, I don't mean that everyone has to go to university because there's loads of alternative programmes out there that can get young people into the workplace. But having decent grades is always a good starting point. I didn't have the best grades, but I passed what I needed to pass to get to where I wanted to be. So some advice that I would give is to start researching and to look at what do you actually need to get into the job that you want. And when it comes to education, it's not just that you get that one qualification and that's it. You continuously learn on the job and the job market is forever changing. And being able to adapt and learn new skills is really important. I think as well networking networking is so important. And most of the jobs that I've heard about was through networking. I remember being i think i was about 17 and i turned up to this networking event and i was the youngest most unqualified person in that room but i made some pretty good connections and people were surprised that i was there i did feel uncomfortable but i had to try something and this could also lead to finding a mentor to get that extra support and guidance i think as well work experience it doesn't matter what it is i my first job was at a pharmacy when I was 15. And then I worked nights in, in cab firms. These are all skills that are transferable to wherever it is that person wants to go. And I suppose like perseverance, working hard, it's not just one, you don't just start from here and then end up here. It's oh. up down, up down. And yeah. nothing is nothing is handed to you on a on a silver platter. You need to go out and grab opportunities and it's it's not easy but as long as you're doing something is always better than doing nothing at all and I would have never guessed that I would be in the job that I'm in now because I didn't even know that this kind of work existed I grew up with hairdressers and plumbers and there's nothing wrong with with those jobs but there is a whole other world of careers out there and getting as much exposure to that as you can is is really helpful in kind of figuring out your career
1: yeah agree with you so you've had so many experiences in your professional in terms of where you've gone what you've done and like you said you turned up at that networking event as the youngest person as a 17 year old without an idea of what you were going to do so what is your experience of the dreaded imposter syndrome or have you ever felt the need to fit in sort of when you've joined an organization and then you've realized oh gosh it's not
0: me
2: Yeah so I think for most of us at some point in our careers we've experienced this imposter syndrome whereby we have moments where we doubt our skills or think that we're not good enough and when you come from a place where you're the first person in your family to go to university the first to have a corporate job that feeling is at the more extreme end but how I've Kind of manage this is having the right mentors in place and remind myself like I do deserve to be where I am. I'm not in my position because someone made a mistake somewhere. (laughs) It's because I have the skills and the experiences that I have, which has led me to where I am today. I would suggest like find your people. Like I have a brilliant mentor named Sally Bibb, who I met my first couple of weeks at PA. And I was just taken aback by her and her values. And I would just sit there and I thought, I want to be like this woman. I want to learn from her. So I just reached out to her by email. And I remember sitting there like, oh, my God, is she even going to reply because she's so senior? And she's been mentoring me throughout my career at PA. But there are some instances that can trigger that imposter syndrome, even if you're doing really well. And that could be... When you're, you spoke a bit about the culture of a workplace and there may be times where people will talk about their childhood experiences or the fact that they go on ski trips every year since they were like five years old. And I can't relate, but there's going to be experiences that I have that I may talk about that they can't relate to either. Like I could say I used to have to go and visit my friend in prison every other month and people would be like, oh my God, like, I don't even know anyone that's been to prison, that kind of thing. But I do believe if you're ever at a company where you just don't fit, and I did have that at one company that I worked in, I I won't mention which one, where people aren't welcoming and the way that the organisation is set up. Some people succeed, some people don't. It's quite a toxic environment then that's just not the company for you and that's okay. The most important thing is being able to be your authentic self and bring your whole self to work every single day. And I definitely get that from working at PA. I've had friends that have changed their accents to fit into a job because most people are from Cambridge or Oxford. And I don't think that's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we've read about that recent report on accents and how
1: difficult it is for people to overcome the barriers that come with those accents. And you would assume that things are changing, but obviously things are not. So you were a mentor at Career Ready. How important, Rosie, you've mentioned actually a couple of times that it is very important for you to work in social impact and widening participation how important is it for you to do this work?
2: It's really important for me. I, At the moment, I support four charities, Career Ready, Helena Kennedy Foundation, Comfort Cases and Generation Success. We also have the PA Foundation, which gives colleagues like myself the opportunity to carry on doing meaningful work, like whilst we're employed. So I guess the reason that it's Important for me is because there was a time that I was going through some pretty horrendous stuff, but life still passes by. And I felt quite lonely. So I make it my mission that no one else should ever have to feel that way. And so where I can, I try and help those in need because I know what it's like to feel that way. Although, one piece of advice that I was given actually and it was from the CEO of Comfort Cases in the US his name's Rob Shear and he said to me we had like a an amazing chat and he was like Rosie you're so amazing you're doing all of this good work blah 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 but he said you need to make sure that your cup is full before you help anyone else you can't give when your cup is empty and this really stuck with me because there are times, not a lot, but it happens when my cup is empty. I'm overworked, I'm stressed, there's family stuff going on or there's been times where I haven't been able to pay my bills and I can't help anyone else when I'm in that situation and and, and that's okay. So yeah. I actually took Rob's advice and that's part of the reason that I moved back into the private sector. When you're at the right company, you can continue to fill your own cup and still pour into other people's at the same time so yeah to answer your question it's really important for
1: me that was some really good advice because unless you are you are you are okay yeah you're doing well you will not be able to support people I think mental well-being for everyone should be the first priority mental emotional physical well-being Um, definitely what would your call to action be for universities, businesses? What would you like to see them do differently to be more inclusive?
2: So I think for universities, financial support in the form of bursaries is a huge one. So when I was at the Helena Kennedy Foundation, they gave me a bursary which kind of bridged that gap of really struggling to just survive. I was working five jobs through uni and even that didn't get me to the point where I was at the same level as my peers and that's what these bursaries are for right is to make sure that if you're at a disadvantage you're brought up to that same level where your peers are in in terms of support. When I think about university when I was there online classes didn't exist and I lived independently in a council house at 18 so when my boiler broke I had to stay home and wait for someone to come and fix that, which counts yeah. properties. It would happen all the time. I missed loads of lessons and that was actually frowned upon. So maybe looking into people's like individual experiences would be really helpful if, if there's yeah. that kind of understanding. As well, like with grades and entry requirements, I know that there has been some work there to flex it, but I know that if I didn't have all of the pressures that I had to deal with when I was at school, at college, my grades would have been a lot better. I'm in a completely different situation now than I was then. And I can already see that I'm excelling at things that I'm I'm learning. And I guess for businesses... Definitely increase the outreach opportunities to recruit like a diverse range of people. They'll actually find that those that have come from some kind of struggle in life and to be more determined to do well and succeed. Um, But the most important thing, I think, for companies above all, and I mentioned this a bit earlier, and I was actually speaking to an old colleague of mine about this quite recently, is to make sure that there is the right support in place in the company once that person is there and this is something that's is still a work in progress I believe.
1: Yeah I think yeah that's that's true they take people in and then who is there to provide them the support or check-in and see that they're doing well or not. Yeah I think there needs to be someone who is constantly doing that. So Rosie, you've like like the CEO you were mentioning mentioned that you've done so many amazing things I agree with him but what would you consider are your biggest achievements I think I mean we've already spoken about some but I'd love to hear it from you
2: sure so gosh mm. I think so quite recently I got a promotion which is oh, wow. amazing congratulations <laughs> um, Thank you so much and I think for me it just kind of reiterated like all of the hard work and effort that I was putting at PA was actually recognised yeah. and it was such a great feeling but I think overall it's going to sound a bit strange but my biggest achievement is probably the relationship that I have with myself now and others and yeah it might sound a bit strange but I grew up being very, very angry at the world. I would blame everyone around me for the hardship that I was facing. And to be honest, I was right too. I was a child. But there does come a time when you reach a certain age where it's then on you to change your circumstances. And I had to forgive a lot of people, a lot of institutions that I never got an apology from. And that's that's hard. I read a lot about human behavior I kind of got obsessed with trying to understand like why do people act the way that they do and I just actively make choices of who I surround myself with I look after myself a lot more I have the best relationship with my mum that I've ever had and because I've been able to forgive and work on myself it does mean that I can now go on to help other people as well
1: amazing that's awesome <laughs> we constantly tell ourselves that for our well-being and for our mental health and for our growth also because all of these negative experiences that you've had and you hold on to it, it holds you back away and of course you're wasting so much energy being angry where would you like to see yourself in the future five years ten
2: years oh a so long way Yes, a long way off. So five to 10 years. Well, I do genuinely love my job at PA. So I'd like to stay there as long as they'll have me. I would expect to climb the ladder a bit more and 10 years from now make partner who knows what could happen. Mm -hmm. But I guess as well, like more of my personal life. So my partner, he's Dutch, he lives in the Netherlands, and I would love to live in the Netherlands. I absolutely love it. So I will be moving there at some point when, oh. knows, hopefully in the near future, because, yeah, you have to find that, that work life, that mm-hmm. balance.
1: Absolutely. Um, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. So I suppose, I don't know, really, what else? I own my own apartment. So maybe like buying more properties, retire early, uh, have an easy life and travel. I guess that's the dream. But yeah,
1: we'll see. <laughs> That's a lot. I think that's amazing. None of us know where we are going to go in the future. The world is in such a state of yeah. flux. Workplaces are changing constantly. But yeah, you you own your own apartment, like you said. You have plans to move to another country. You'll make partner. I'm sure you will. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Wishing you all the best for that. And my Thank last you. question: What advice, if any, would you have for young people trying to navigate difficult circumstances? and facing challenges to social mobility.
2: Thank you. I mean, yeah, I guess it's easy for me to talk about this stuff now because I've gone through it. But thinking back then, like, you you don't ever you don't ever really truly understand until a few years later. And you'll always remember like either your parents or elder people telling you when you're younger, it's like, oh, don't eat that. You'll regret it because blah, 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 or whatever it may be. They always give advice, but at the time we never take it. So hopefully this doesn't fall on deaf ears. But I think some of the advice that I would give is to speak up. Words have power. Do not be embarrassed. Your situation at a young age is not your fault. Focus on your education. Education is often the key to social mobility. So develop, learn, upskill yourself where you can. And something that I do now, like I mentioned, like make a conscious decision to surround yourself with people who uplift you, who are going to offer support and encouragement and try and like, build that support system around you where you can if you come across someone that inspires you reach out to them ask them to be your mentor like I did the worst that can happen is that they say no and so what you move on seek out opportunities there are so many charities and programs out there that are willing to help and support and uh, yeah just doing something is always better than doing nothing. Unfortunately, no one is is going to come and save you. You have to really build up the courage and seek out opportunities yourself. Start with Google, do a bit of research, create goals. So even if they're so small, even if it's like waking up earlier in the morning or sending your CV out to a company a week, whatever it is, write them down tick them off as you go it makes you feel a lot better and even if even if you have absolutely no idea what you want to do in your career or where you want to be in the future it's okay because there's people that are halfway through living their life that still don't know what they want to do but i think the last piece of advice and the most important would be to just believe in yourself. As cliche as that is, you have to live with yourself for the rest of your life. So you might as well get along with the person that you are and just be authentically you and just remember that you have the power to shape your own future.
1: Wow, that's some amazing advice, Rosie. And I agree with all of this. Surround yourself with the kind of people who know you, who will support you. A lot of people don't have an idea of where they're going or what they're doing. And of course, like the world that we live in, you don't have a linear career anymore. So you could be changing and you could be trying out new things but just go out and believe in yourself. That's that's some awesome, awesome advice. Oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much, Rosie, for this wonderful conversation, for making time to be vulnerable and share your experiences with me so that I can share it with the rest of the people. I think it's so important to showcase role models who are doing really well. And I cannot think of anyone better than you. I'm oh. <laughs> so, so privileged to have had this conversation
0: with you. Thank you so much. For making the time
2: ah thank you for having me Suda it's been a pleasure
0: thank you for joining us this week on the elephant in the room podcast don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of your favorite platforms itunes spotify google Podcasts. and if you enjoyed listening to the podcast today don't forget to write a review and tell your friends sign up on the link in the show notes to receive updates on our guest speakers, blogs, and events. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday for new episodes.